They were going to start here on the two dots on the top of Pechedim and Aleph, where it says, that they stood at the base of the mountain. Right, famous Gemara. It teaches that Hashem held the mountain over their heads, like a barrel. If you accept the Torah, everything will be fine. Here will be your burial. The obvious response to something like this is, Mikan Moda Rabado Raito. This is a big excuse, way out, of being responsible for the Torah. Meaning that if you were forced to accept the Torah, then if you don't keep the Torah, you can always say, I really didn't want to accept it, I, we didn't accept it willingly, it was forced upon us. Amarova, Afopikain, Hadur Kiblua, Bimeachash Despite that, there was a willing acceptance of the Torah in the time of Achashverosh. As it says in the Megillah, Kimu v'kiblu ha-Yehudim, that they kept and accepted. Kimu ma-shikiblu kvar. They accepted or they kept ma-shikiblu kvar, what they had already accepted earlier. That was that they re-accepted the Torah. There was a new Kabbalat Torah at the time of Achashverosh, a reaffirmation of that which had taken place at Har Sinai. Now, obviously, there are many pshatim that have been given. It's a very difficult Gemara to say that the Benes were forced to accept the Torah, especially given the fact that it says in the Torah twice, once in Yitro, when Benes are asked if they want the Torah, they say, Naseh, and then in Pashad Mishpatim it says, Naseh v'nishma. It seems like they willingly accepted it. So there are different interpretations. Just give you a quick couple. One is that it refers to Torah Shebetav versus Torah Shebetavpeh. The Benes accepted willingly in the Torah Shebetav. That which was, quote-unquote, forced upon them was Torah Shebetavpeh. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that they were literally forced to take it, but it was an integral part. It's a part and parcel, a package that comes with the Torah Shebechtav. You can't have the Torah Shebechtav without the Torah Shebe'alpeh. And that's what it means. Hashem says, now that you've accepted Torah Shebechtav, you must also take with that the Torah Shebe'alpeh. Another possibility is that after they accepted it willingly, there were reasons for them to back out. The pomp and circumstance surrounding Mamad Harsinai might have frightened them. We'll see that later on in today's Gemara. And that might have taken away their ability to want or to continue, want to continue with the acceptance of the Torah. So kafalayim harkigigit means once they already accepted it willingly, that Hashem pressed forward, not allowing them to back out. Also, the fact that they reaccepted in the time of Esther, in the time of Achashvei Rosh, many, again, attribute that to being a separate acceptance of Torah Shabbat not just the Torah Shabbat but it's a way for them to reconcile with a very difficult Gemara, which says that they were forced to accept the Torah, to come to a point where there was a willing acceptance of the Torah, to say that we are obligated to the Torah. Gemara continues, Amar What is meant in the Pasuk in Tehillim? From the heavens you gave over your law. Eretz yara v'shakata. The land was fearful and quiet or still. Im yara lama shakata. If it's fearful, why is it still or quiet? Im shakata, if it's silent, lama yara, then why is it afraid? Why is it trembling? I mean, it seems to be that they are opposites. Ela betchila yara, in the beginning it was fearful, ulusof shakata, in the end it was still quiet, peaceful. Lama yara, why was it fearful up front? Kidereish lakish, tamereish lakish, maidichtiv. What is meant by the pasuk in Masev Reshit? It says, vayere vayivoker yom hashishi. So as opposed to the other days, which don't have the hey hayidia in front of them, Yom Hashishi, the sixth day, has a hey yedah in front of it. What does it mean, the sixth day? Hey, Yitira Lamali. What is the extra hey, the hey yedah doing? 
There was a condition, an embedded condition in the creation that if it is so accept the Torah, you will remain in place, you will stay. If not, it will turn everything back to the original state of of nothingness. So the hey Yom Hashishi, Rashi brings two Mitrashim on the Pasuk, either hey represents Hamisha Khumshay Torah, that Yom Hashishi, there would be another sixth day, the sixth of Sivan when they accepted the Mishach Shemtei Torah, or the interpretation that we have here in our Gemara, which is Yom HaShishi, is that the creation, Yom HaShishi is the completion of creation, and that was awaiting Yom HaShishi, the sixth day, the sixth day being Kabbalat Torah, because Masih Brishi was dependent on B'nai Israel's acceptance of the Torah. That's what it's meant, Yom HaShishi. Everything was awaiting this special sixth day. Doresh Rav Simai, the point that Bnei Israel said first, we will do, and then we will listen. 600,000 came to each one of Bnei Israel. Tied upon them two crowns. One for their saying of Naseh, the other one for Nishma. Kevin Shechatu Israel. Once Bnei Israel sinned with the ego. Yerdu Mea Vesrim Bibo Malachim. Hunts a million, two hundred thousand. Malachai Chabala. Destructive Malachim came down. Upirkum. And removed them. Shinamar, as the Pasuk says, Vait Natslu Bnei Israel at the Jiyam Har Chorev. The Bnei Israel lost their crowns, which they had attained at Har Chorev. Har Chorev being synonymous with Har Sinai. Tosafot points out, it's not in the Girsah in Argumar. He says there were some Gemars that had the Girsah. How did they get to this number of 1,200,000? He says because it, instead of saying V'yinatzlu, it says V'yitnatzlu. And so therefore, I think it's a double. Double what was. So V'yinatzlu would have been the 600,000. V'yitnatzlu is the 1,200,000. And even though generally we say Midat Tova is greater than Midat Praniyot, he says here too it really is that way. Because before, one Malach put on two crowns. Over here to remove it, they needed a single malach to remove every crown. Still is, the Midah Tova is greater than the Midah Ra'ah because they got double when they were receiving it, but when it was being taken away, they needed one malach to take away each of the crowns that they attained. And Chorev they loaded up, and Chorev they unloaded. They loaded up, like we said, they got the crowns when they were at Tar Sinai, when they said, and They lost that same crowns, they were unloaded in the same place after they worshipped the Ego. In the end, all of them ended up with Moshe. He took all of them to Samichle, because the continuing Pasuk is Moshe, Moshe took the oil and he put it in the Machane, meaning that whatever was taken away from Bnei Israel was granted to Moshe Rabbeinu. He became the replacement for all that glory that Bnei Israel had had. In the future, Hashem will return those crowns to us. It says in the Pesach, People are familiar with it now because of the song. Those that are redeemed, Hashem will bring back. They will come in song to Tzion. And they will have this everlasting happiness on their head. Simcha Shemei Olam Arusham. Gemara reinterprets it to say not that they'll have everlasting happiness on their head, but rather happiness Shemei Olam that was once Arusham on their heads, in that the crowns that had once been on their heads will be returned to their heads. Amar Rav Elazar B'Shashi Dimu Yisrael Naseh Nishma. At the point of Nisrael put Naseh before Nishma, Yatzdab Bakpov Amra Lahem. A heavenly voice came out and said to them, Mi Gila Levanai Razeh. 
who told my children this secret, that the heavenly angels use, because it says, Hashem blessed his malachim, his angels, that are strong and have tremendous strength, they do his word, to listen to that which he says. So here you see again, but first it says that they do the heeding of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and then they come to listen to what their instructions were, what they are doing. The same thing here, B'nai Israel acted like the Malachim. Remember that the Malachim are angels that have no choice. They do not have Yitzhar Tov Yitzharah. Their only purpose is to serve a Kodesh Baruch Hu and to act at his will. So it's obvious that Malachim will act Osed Varo, and then Lishmoah. Behold varo, meaning that they first do because that's their job. They don't have any questions. They don't ask questions. They just do whatever the bidding is of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And that's what it means here, that we were like Malachim. As if we did not have a Yitzhahara. We said, Naseh, and then Nishma. Sam, meaning that we will heed the word of a Kodesh Baruch Hu without any qualms, without any questions. And then, Lishma, then we'll hear exactly what is being asked of us to heed in the word of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Like the apple, or the apple tree amongst the trees of the forest, so too is my son, my man, amongst boys that are out there. Why are B'nai Israel compared to a tapuach, to an apple? This is a little bit difficult. As Tosafot points out, there's a number of difficulties here. The first of which is that this is from Shira Shirim. In Shira Shirim, there's a male and a female. Male represents a Kodesh Baruch Hu in the allegory. And the female is Knesset Israel. Over here, it says, Ketapuach Benabanim. It's talking about the man in Shira Shirim, which would mean that it's representing a Kodesh Baruch Hu. If you're talking about a Kodesh Baruch Hu, then it's really a Kodesh Baruch Hu that's compared to the Tapuach, not B'nai Yisrael. So that's just one little problem with the because here it's saying B'nai Yisrael were compared to Tapuach, and Tosavot says you could have brought a better puzzle from Shir Shirim, Perak Zayin, where there it compares the female to the Tapuchim. That's the first issue that he raises. The second one he raises is, Ma Tapuach Kodem Le'alav. Just like this apple tree, the fruits precede the leaves. So too, B'nai Israel put Naseh before Nishma. We will do before we will listen. Again, this is a problem. The Rabbeinu Tam says we take walks outside all the time. And we see our apple trees and the leaves are there before the apples. What are they talking about? So he reinterprets it to say that the tapuach here is really not the apple, but rather an etrog. He says that there are places where the targum, Recha Pecha Ketapim, translates tapuchim ke'etrogim, ke'etrogah. So that it really means etrog and not tapuach, which is very interesting, considering that one of the options for the etzadat is, we saw this in the Gemara Brachot, was an etrog. And the fact that it became an apple in the eyes of many of the artists and many of the myths is interesting because here the Rabbeinu Tam says the apple and the etrog have some sort of interchangeability. But given that, we know that the etrog stays on the tree from year to year. That's one of the reasons it's called an etrog pre-eitz hadar, hadar, mishana l'shana, that it stays on the tree from year to year. You can go and see that. You got to know kudumim. You can go see, walk through the etrog pardes, the orchards of the etrogim, and they're massive. They can stay on the tree and they just keep growing until they're huge. So there's the possibility that even though in the present year the fruits are after the leaves, but if they stay on the tree to the subsequent year, then the fruits are there before the leaves. And that's what he thinks that they're referencing over here, that the fruits are there for the leaves, 
And this is referencing Bnei Yisrael. Sheikdimu naseh lenishma. Outstuki the Chazi the Rovod. He saw that Rovod the Kamaayin bishmaito that he was engrossed in his learning. Biyatva etzbata didei tuteikaro. He was sitting with his fingers below his feet. Kamaitz bahu and he was crushing them. Vikamavan etzbatei damo and his fingers were giving off blood, releasing blood. I mean they were under pressure. He was hurting himself, but unbeknownst to him, because he was so engrossed in his learning. You are this rash, impulsive nation that your mouths went before your ears. You answered before you heard. You said Naseh before you said Nishmah. You still are in that rashness, in that impulsiveness. Because look at you here, the way you're acting with Torah. You should have first listened to what Hashem was offering. If you were able to keep the Torah, listen and understand what it was involved, and you could keep it, then you should have accepted it. If not, you should have just rejected it. What's this business of accepting it before you even know what you're obligated to do? We who are happy come to me, we are shalem with a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And us, Pesach says in Mishlei, Tumat Yisharim Tamchem. With the integrity of those that are righteous, Tamchem, that guides us. So integrity and righteousness are our guide. Hanach Inched Desagan Beluta. You, I mean, he doesn't say you, but he says people that are satisfied with excuses, meaning that they're willing to check out the Torah first, see if they really want it, they don't want it. And you, the subsequent part of the Pasuk, the remainder of the Pasuk, and the perverseness, or the perversion of those that rebel, those that are unfaithful, Yishadim, will destroy them. So those that are Tumat, Tamim, those that are Shalem in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that they say, we, we believe, whatever Hashem says is going to be for our good, we accept the Torah, Yisharim Tamchem. They will be led on a righteous path, on a straight path. But those Veselef, those that choose perverseness, Dim, those that are unfaithful, they don't trust the Shem. They want to see what's there before they accept it. They Yishadim, they will be destroyed. So he was rejecting this Stukiz understanding of what it meant to say Nasev Nishma. He looked at it negatively, saying that that was an impulsive, rash decision that doesn't make sense. And it was a mistake. And he says back to them, no, it was a sign of faith. It was a sign of tamim, of being shalem in Makarish Baruch a certain amount of trust that God would only do that which is good for us. And that's what we look at, not at the rashness or the impulsiveness, but rather that we exhibited tremendous faith in Hashem, that whatever He would give us would be for our good. And that's why we said, Naseh Vinishma. Right, and what you mentioned, David, that here, that it's an argument between a tztuki and Rava, who is obviously a prushi, that their arguments really revolve around Torah Shabbal Peh and the Rabbanon's ability to interpret the Psukim would support the position that before this idea that the Torah Shabbal Peh was the key factor in terms of the acceptance of Nasev and Ishma, that they were willing to accept the Torah Shabbal Peh as well as Torah Shabbichtav, that there was more than just that which was given in writing. Amar Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Amar Rav Yonatan, my dichtiv, what is meant in the Pasuk in Shira Shirim, libovtani achoti Kala, libavtini bechat meinayich. Libavtini, you've ravished my heart, achuti, my sister, kala, my bride. Libavtini bechat meinayich. You have ravished my heart with one of your eyes. Kila, bechat meinayich. At first, it was with one of your eyes. Likishetasi, bishteinayich. But when you do it, then it is with both of your eyes. So when you had the Kabbalah, then you had with one eye. 
But when you did it, and you actually accepted the Torah, and then act in accordance with the Torah, then it's with two eyes. Meaning that you have a double credit. You have a single credit for accepting the Torah, you have a double credit for accepting the Torah, and then doing it, being Shomer, the Torah. Amrullah, aluva kala, zana It is shameful, embarrassing, chutzpah, that the kala, the bride, is unfaithful under the chupa, under the canopy. Meaning that, what is he referencing here? He's referencing to B'nai Yisrael, who, at the chupa, at their wedding between Hashem and them at Mamad Harsinai, Immediately afterwards, they do the Masea Egel, the Chaita Egel, and that is chutzpah, that they couldn't even move away from the place of the canopy, the wedding, and they're already mizana right there. Amar of Mari, brother Bachmo, Maikra, what's the pasuk? Ad shamelech bimisibo, nirdi natan recho. So while the king is bimisibo, is reclining in his feast, nirdi natan recho, my nerd gave off its smell. It was released. Seems to be something that's premature over here. Bimara is darshaning that the Ajamelch Mishibon Yerdi Natan Recho is that Hashem took his fragrance somewhere else, that he gave it somewhere else. Shem was disappointed in B'nai Israel's behavior, and therefore he pointed his fragrance, the goodness, somewhere else. Amar Rav Adain Chavuta Hi Gaban. But still Hashem's love is with us. Ketiv Natan Balokatav Hisriach. It says that Hashem gave, not that he rotted or something much more negative. Now, the way it looks like to read it is that the Gemara here wants to interchange the word Natan and Masriach. That's the way Rashi reads it. That he says, that even though the puzzle is speaking about something that is negative about us, it's still spoke in a soft manner. Because it says that Hashem Natan, he moved away his fragrance, gave it, instead of saying that Hashem let the fragrance go bad, become putrid. Tosvot says that's not exactly what it means. He says that Masriach is Lashon Miguneh, that that is a negative Lashon. Not that they wanted to opt to say something Masriach in the Pasuk, but rather, Pasuk could have said something that was much more strong. And instead of using the word Natan, it could have used Azav, that he left. But it gave a soft term, Natan, instead of Azav, and that's why that's why Hashem, we see His love is still with us, because He didn't use a terminology or a negative term that would have been much stronger and implied something negative, not that literally you would use the word Masriach, but something that would have been a stronger language of God leaving us. So here, the girsa probably should be Ne'elavim, those that are Ne'elavim, that people are chutzpedik towards them, that treat them poorly, but they themselves do not act with chutzpah or disparaging towards others. They hear their shame, their embarrassment. They are spoken about in a detrimental or a negative manner. And they do not respond. They act out of love. And they are happy with the Yisurim. Rashi comments here, the Yisurim, they were talking about it, what's mentioned in the early part of the statement that they are ne'lavim, and that they shomim kherpatam. They listen to those that disparage them, and they allow those that have chutzpah towards them and embarrass them, they let them go. They let it roll off their shoulders. That is, people who do me'ava and enjoy the Yisurim, Alema Katuv Omer, and the Pasuk says, Those that are beloved to Hashem, this is the tail end of Shirat Vorah, those that are beloved to Hashem are like the sun when it comes out in all its strength. I Meaning that Hashem looks favorably upon people like this, which is that one should be able or to accept those disparaging remarks, to be embarrassed and allow people to do that and not return the favor. 
and not act in the same way. And those people Hashem loves, because that is the midah that Hashem looks for, that is midat anivut, accepting of that which happens to you. So I'm Rabbi Yochanan, my dichtiv, what is meant by Hashem itain omer, ha mivasrot tzavarav, that when Hashem gives the word, speaks, ha mivasrot, Great is the company of those that bear the tidings. There are many people bear the tidings or the word of Hashem. Every word that left Hashem's mouth, split into 70 languages. The idea being that Torah or the Mamad Sinai, when the Torah was given, was not just a particularistic event, but rather a global event. That the Torah is given and has meaning for the whole world. It's given in Shivim Lishonot, in all the 70 languages, meaning that it has application and meaning for everyone in the world. Even though it seems to be an event that is parochial to B'nai Yisrael, nevertheless it has implications or worldly implications, and that is that it's given by Shivim Lishonot in all the languages to realize the relevance of Torah to the world. And like a hammer, now the Pashtura Pasuk is like a hammer that smashes a rock. Just like this hammer splits into many nitzotzot, it's not clear to translate, usually it means sparks. But over here that doesn't really make so much sense, right? It seems to be into smaller pieces, to parts. Every word that left Hashem's mouth split into 70 languages. Now the... Right, So, but the problem is that... It sounds from this that patish yifotzeitz. Yifotzeitz is to be split. So the pashtuna pasuk is that the hammer smashes the rock and the rock crumbles under the power or the weight of the hammer. But that's not what the nimshal that is written here. The nimshal is written here is about the hammer itself, not about the rock. Tosafot already raises the issue and he says that it doesn't make sense. Tosafot raises this in many places and just, the Arashi just flows with it. It says that patish mitchalei kasela yado. The rock that splits by the hammer, the common nitzotzo, to many pieces. So it actually just flows with it, as if, that when it means, means over here that it splits into many pieces, it means the rock that splits into many pieces. But that's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that, just like this hammer splits into many pieces, not that the rock splits into many pieces. So Tosafot raises the issue, and the Rabbeinu Tam answers like you just did. If it, he says that sometimes the rock is so hard that it smashes the hammer that the hammer breaks into pieces, that the metal breaks into pieces. And that's what's meant here in this Mashal. Ukipatish, Yifotzeit Sela, he says the verb is wrong, because Yifotzeit means that it's actively breaking something else. It really should have said, Yifotzeit Yifotzeno Sela, that the passive form, and that's reflective on the Patish. So he says, despite the fact that the verb is incorrect, and it sounds like the rock is being split by the hammer, in order to fit with the Nimshal here, he says that what's being broken here is the hammer. This mashal is used in many places. That not only it says that every pasuk can be darshan in 70 different ways. Shivim panim the Torah, the Gemara brings this as the proof. That the same way that, again, the Gemara uses the stain that they patish and then it's utzot. So whether you read it like Rashi or Tosafot, that it splits. One thing can split into many parts. So say, just like the Torah has many interpretations, so to over here, the word of Hashem split into the 70 Lishonot into the 70 languages. Amar Rav Hanano Bar Papa, my dichtiv, what is meant by the Pasuk? Shimu kinigidim adaber. So listen, because I have excellent, wonderful things to say. Now the Gemara is going to say, Lama nimshlu divrei Torah kinagid. What's the excellent thing? What is the word of Hashem that is, you must hear? It's the Torah. 
And the Gemara is playing on the word Nagid. Nagid means a prince. So the Gemara says, Lamanim Shalud, you read Torah, Nagid, to a ruler or to a prince. Lomar lecha, man Nagid ze yesh bala amitu lechriot. Just like a ruler or a prince has the ability to determine life and death, they can put people to death, say that they can live. Af divrei Torah yesh bala amitu lechriot. So to the Torah, have the ability to kill and to keep alive. I know that my Rava, Rava says, But those that are right with it, it is like a potion of life. But those that are left with it, it's a potion of death. Rashi, over here, comments, what does it mean? Those that are right with it. So he says, They are engrossed in Torah with all their strength. And they... Make efforts to understand its secrets, Kadam. Hamishtamesh biyad minoshi ikar. Like person who uses his right hand, which is the primary force. So that he puts all of his efforts and his strength into Torah. Versus the small, which is someone who approaches Torah without the real necessary strength, being engrossed, understanding of the Torah. That's the way Rashi explains it over here. The uh, Bach points you back to Samach Gimel Amad Aleph. And it says over there, the Gemara also uses the term of Yamin and small. If you remember back on Samachim Oman Aleph, the Gemara used it in a different context for whether you do it Lishma and Shalo Lishma. That's where the Gemara says, Liminayim Ba and Lismalim Ba. Orach Yamin Bimina, Smola Osher Bechavod. Ela Biyamina Orach Yamin Ika Osher Bechavod Leka. Ela Yaminim Ba Orach Yamin Ika Bekoshkein Osher Bechavod. And Rashi here translates miyamim b'shel Torah shemifashmishim tamehem b'diduk uborim kiyamin amiyumenet l'malacha. They check into it carefully, like the right hand, which is dexterous. Osher v'chavod, and then masmilim ba she'en yigim ba kol tochan. They don't work on it. Inami yamin ba uskim lishma masmilin shelo lishma. So you see, Rashi over there gives a slightly different interpretation to yamin usmo. So that could be also a possible interpretation over here of the yamin and the small, those that learn lishma and do it for the right reasons. They are samat ha'ed, and it's a potion of life. Those that utilize the Torah for ulterior motives or ulterior purposes, don't do it lishma or do it just for the reward that's there, then it's a samad mavto. It's a potion of death. Nigidim means plural of princes. So they gave them two crowns like the princes wear, which is similar to the memra that we saw in the first Amud. That a bundle of mur, Dodili, my beloved is to me, Ben Shadayalin, he will rest amongst my breasts. Amra Knesset Israel if Nekodesh Baruch Hu Benosh Olam. Afo Pishim Eitzar Umei Even though you are afflicting me and oppressing me, Dodi Ben Shaddai Yalin. Nevertheless, my beloved will sit amongst my breasts. And Rashi over here explains what does that mean? That Afo Pishim Eitzar Umei Marli Dodi Be'egel Shemar Hoyreid Ed Yacha. That they worship the Abel and Egel, and then Hashem says, take off the crowns that you had earned at Har Sinai. So even though Hashem was negative on us and made us strip ourselves of the glory that we had attained at Har Sinai, nevertheless, Ben Shadayalin, Rashi says that nevertheless Hashem gave us the opportunity to build the Mishkan right afterwards. And Hashem was Shoresh Hina. Hashem's presence was inside of the Mishkan. And in the Mishkan, we know that the Aron was found inside the Kodesh Kadoshim, but the Badim, the poles that were used to carry the Aron, 
were larger than the space of the Kodesh Kodeshim, and they pressed up against the parochet, they pressed up against the curtain between the Kodesh Kodeshim, and it looks like, as Rashi says, the breast of a woman protruding forth. So that's what it means here. Despite the fact that Hashem was negative on us, made us, stripped us of our glory from Har Sinai, nevertheless, it wasn't so bad. He still showed His love to us by allowing us to build the Mishkan and rest His Shechina in our presence. Eshkol hakufer dodili bikarmei engedi. It's like a cluster of henna. Dodili, my beloved is to me, bikarmei engedi in the vineyards of engedi. Me shakol shelo mechaperli alavon gedi. They're making a play on the words here. Kofer meaning kapara. Eshkol is someone who has a kol bo meaning Hashem. Someone who everything belongs to him will be mechaperli. And the play on engedi is avon gedi. The sin of the goat, meaning the sin of the animal, being the egel. So shikaramti li, that I held up on myself. My mashmadai karmei lashlashna de machnishu. That that karmi means an ingathering, a piling up of. We have the Mishnah, kiseisel koves. The chair of the launderer, shukormim alavet agilim, that you pile the clothing upon it. So it actually explains here, it's a flat piece of wood that has many holes in it. And they used to place the fragrance underneath the board in order to deodorize the clothing. And they used to burn the incense below under this board that it holds it, and they piled the clothing on top of it. So you see here, the word karme, kormim, is to pile up, or to build up. That's what it means over here, bikarme and gedi, is with the sin that I piled up, that I gathered. And Rashi over here interprets it, that I piled up many gods, that I wanted many gods, or that I piled up the sin that I caused myself through the Egel. I'm Rabbi Shubhan Levi, my dichtiv, what is meant by the Pasuk in Shir Shirim? Lichayav kerugata bosem, his cheeks are like a bed of spices. Every word that left Hashem's mouth, the entire world was filled with spices, with fragrance. So I'm going to ask a very simple question. If the first word filled the whole world, then what happened to the second one? There's no more room left. So, Hashem brought a wind out of his storehouses, and he removed them for one by one. His lips are like the lilies, notfot more over. They are distilling liquid more, they drip liquid more. Altikri shoshanim, ela shishonim. Don't read shoshanim that are li- lilies, but siftotav shishonim, that make cause to pass, cause to move, that are changing. That he blew the wind so that they could replace the first spices with the next word that came out, the next spice that came out. Their souls left them the time that Hashem spoke. My soul left me when he spoke. Again, the same question that we had before. If every time Hashem spoke, their souls departed from them, after they departed the first time, the second word couldn't do anything. They were already dead. Their souls already departed. So, what does the Gemara say? The famous Ganata Hori Tal. Hashem brought down a dew that in the future will bring the dead back to life. Hashem brought them back to life. Meaning that they died at every word of Hashem. Their souls departed and Hashem brought it back, put their souls back in them each time. The plentiful rain, God will wave and bring down 
your inheritance that has languished, you established, you made whole. So over here too, the Geshem, the dew or the rain of Hashem, brings back to life, brings the people back to life. backed up 12 mil every time Akkadosh Baruch Hu spoke. 12 mil is the size of the Machane Israel. So basically they were at one end of the camp. When they got heard the word of Hashem, they moved all the way to the other side of the camp. They ran away as far as they could, away from this. The Malachashrit were encouraging them, pushing them back to hear the next word. So this is a very big problem. The Pasuk that they quote from Tehilim says, Malchait Svakot, without an Aleph in it. So it's not Malachay, like the Gemara is quoting over here, but Malchait Svakot, Yidodun. Yidodun. So that's what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says that the hosts of kings will flee. That's what the literal meaning of the Pasuk is. The Gemara is interpreting it to be Malachait Svakot. That the angels of God, of the hosts, Yidodun, instead of reading out to create Yidodun, that they flee, Ella, Yididun, that they encourage, that they push along. It's like a mother pushes along a young child who is starting to walk. So to hear the Malachim were encouraging B'nai Israel to take steps forward, to move forward back towards the Kodesh Baruch Hu. So they really take the Pasuk out of its Pashtut and reinterpret it to mean instead of the kings of the hosts that are fleeing, that these are the angels of God that are encouraging us to approach Hashem. Moshe came up to the heavens to accept the Torah. The Malachim speak up and say, what is those that are born to a woman doing up here? What's a human being doing up here? Well, I'm like a bel Torah. Says he came to accept the Torah. Amru lefanav chamuda gnuza shignuza lecha teishamayot v'shivim abadorot. This treasured, hidden treasure that you kept in your treasuries for 974 generations, kodem shnivra olam before the world was created. Tam avakesh litna lebasar v'dam. You want to give it to human beings? So Rashi explains over here. That Akash Baruch had originally intended that the Torah would only be given to the world after a thousand generations. But then he realized that the world would not sustain itself without the Torah. So he cut it back and gave the Torah after 26 generations. Because the Pasuk and Tehillim says, Davar Dor. And he gave command, Elef Dor means to after a thousand generations. But we know, if you just calculate it, that it was only 26 generations after creation that the Torah was given. So... If Ruah was given 26 generations, the Pasuk and Dilim says it's after a thousand. So that's what it means here. That you held on to it for 974 generations prior to the world was being created. I mean, Hashem should have had all those 974 generations after the world was created. Instead, He moved them to before. So this is the idea that this precious Torah, which you've kept in your storehouses, you're going to give it now to a human being? Ma'enosh kitis kerenah. Who is, what is mankind that you should remember them? Ben Adam kitif kedenu. And man, that you should visit him. Hashem Adunenu. Hashem, our master. Ma dear Shimcha B'cholaretz. How majestic is your name throughout the world. Asher Tnachod Chala Shamayim. That your glory is upon the heavens. Meaning that this doesn't belong to the human beings. This is something way beyond them. This is up here. This is for the Malachim. This is for God. This is a holy thing. Meaning that it should have been a thousand after creation. All right. So it's in a figurative sense that God, I mean, that there... The, the Gemara or the Midrash many times talks about pre-creation, which you would say, what a pre-creation, what does that mean? Right? But the pre-creation means that Hashem had something that was special. So that 970 Dorot is that there was something that was extremely special that Hashem held on to, allowed those generations to pass before the world was creating, uh, just meaning that there, it was something so special. Generations to 
All right, I don't even mean passages of time. It means something that's precious. I would just leave it at that because what does it mean time before the creation of the world also? Right? All of these have very little meaning before creation. The idea being that it should have been postponed much longer. So that means that Hashem held on before creation and allowed all that to transpire. Right, that's another Kabbalistic approach that Shem, in order to create this world, created the world, destroyed, created the world, and destroyed them until he got to the perfect uh, solution. So, God says to Moshe, you're on. Tell him what you think. Give your answer. I'm scared that I'm going to get burnt up with the heat or the fire that's emanating from their mouths. Hold on to my throne. Respond to them. The one who, in the face of his throne, closes his eyes or closes his face. Spreads upon it his cloud. So the idea being that Hashem protects those that hold on to his throne, that he places his cloud upon them. Or that he's, those that are mechez, p'nei kisei, those that are holding on from, to the kisei, they are protected from the face, they are protected from the malachim. From this you can see that Hashem spread his glory or from his presence, v'anunu alav, and he covered him or protected him. He said to them, God, the Torah that you're about to give us, what's written in it? It says, I am the Lord your God who took you out of Mitzrayim. He says to Malachim, you went down to Mitzrayim. You were enslaved to Paro. Why should Torah be for you? Right. What does it say in the Torah? You should have no other gods. You live amongst nations that worship Avodah Zarah, Avodat Gidulim, Shuv Maktiba. What else is written in Zechor? Yom HaShabbat HaKadoshol. Remember the Shabbat to sanctify You do work that you need to rest. Shuv Maktiba Lotisa. It says Lotisa. Don't say Hashem's name in vain. You have business dealings, you have interactions where you're going to have to take shvot, that you're going to have to take oats and use the shame Hashem. Shub machtiba, kabirit avicha vetimecha, you have to honor your father and your mother. Aveim yeshlechem, you have fathers and mothers. Shub machtiba, lo tirzach, lo tinaf, lo tignov. Kinai yesh b'neichem, do you have jealousy amongst you? That it's a ra yesh b'neichem, do you have an evil inclination? So Rashi says something interesting, kinai yesh b'neichem, do you have jealousy? Because, shatem ba'im ayedali david tzicha. Killing murder is a result of that jealousy. So do you have jealousy that would cause you to murder? Do you have a yitzharah? Do you have a desire that would make you violate lotinaf, lotignof? Right away they admitted to or they agreed to Agarish Baruch Hu that it belonged to the humankind and not to the malachim. Shinamar, because the Pasuk says, it's in the same parakantilim. It's interesting. It's my no shkitizreno venadam kitifkideno. It's Pasuk hey. Then it's like as if the Gemara wrote dot, 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 dot. And quoted the pasuk where Hashem adenenu ma'adirshim chabachalaretz Hashem tenahu d'chala shemaim pasuk bet. The last pasuk in that parak is pasuk yud, which again repeats it. But there it says shneimar Hashem adenenu ma'adirshim chabachalaretz. That's it. That's the end of the pasuk. It does not have the last part of the pasuk that's mentioned back in pasuk bet, which is tenahu d'chala shemaim. Put your glory up in the heaven. So that's what the Gemara is playing on. That you see over here 
that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to change the mind of the Malachim. And now they only say, Hashem Adonainu, Ma'adishimcha B'chol Aretz. How wonderful is your glory amongst the land. And not, Na'udchal HaShemayim, Loktiv. But that your glory, your presence is felt in the heavens, that no longer was the case because the Torah did not belong up there, it belonged down with humankind. Mi'ad, Kol Echad V'Echad Naselo Ohev, Masar Lo Davar. At that moment, all of them turned friendly towards Moshe and gave him over what they knew or their secret. Shneamar, Alita Lamarom, you ascended to the heavens, Shavita Shevi. You took captives, you took gifts from man. In the reward that you were called a human being, you took the gifts. So, Ba'adam means with Adam. What do you mean with Adam? The fact that you're human, that's what got you these gifts. Because you were granted those gifts from them. The Gemara talks about this, and if you look, the Sfatimet spent a lot of time on this, on the Midrash, the Darshan says, Pasuk, you went up to heaven, Shavita Shevi, that you took captive, and you accepted the gifts. And this is the nature of Torah. Nature of Torah that you have to take it with captivity and also you have to get it with matana, you have to get it as a gift. Right? There's many Midrashim that speak about this. When we say every malach, we mean every malach gave over their secret and the malach it. the angel of death also gave over their secret, Shinamar, because later on in Sefer Bamidbar, when the plague affects the Am and the people are dying after the rebellion of Korach, and the people are complaining and they are dying. It says, that Aaron puts the Torah into the pan, and then he atones for the nation. He walks amongst the nation. He walked between the dead and those that were living. He loved Had Moshe tell, no, to tell Aaron, take the incense and run amongst the people to stop the plague. Had he known that that would stop the plague, that would stop the Malcham of it? The only way that he would have known was because it was disclosed to him. And when was it disclosed to him? In this incident where all the Malachim gave, made disclosure to him, gave over to him the information. And that it was the secret that the Malachim gave to him, that the incense that the Torah is able to prevent the plague or able to stop the Malachim of it. Okay, we'll stop over here.